This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'm Joe River, and alongside me today, I've got three of the finest young gentlemen around in sports journalism. On my left is the tall man, Paul Ghost. How are we, Paul? I'm uh, I'm all the better for being described as young, to be honest, Joe. Cheers. I know, to be honest, I, I, I've more meant Theo yeah, Connor. Yeah, But, I mean, <laughs> you know, you're not doing too badly. No. You've got... Get smooth shaven face as we keep hearing in every yeah. pod you're not out tonight true. are you Paul no no, no. <laughs> you're looking good anyway um, we don't want to dig that up I keep get, I get tweet, tweets every now and again taking the um, taking the mick out of that advert do, do, do you ever hear no, no I, I've got nothing to add I thought we did okay to be honest but I thought we did not everyone thought that no no another smooth shaven young man is Connor Dunn always well turned out? How are you, Connor? I'm very well, thank you, Joe. If only it was shaved. Sorry? If only it was shaved. It's yeah. just all natural. Yeah. Just natural, yeah. Yeah. You Can't grow a beard. Oh, well, okay. That's, a, that's something. Breaking that's news. Yeah. On the Blood Red Pod this day. You learn something new every day. You've got a lovely red jumper on. Thank you. Matching the microphones. Yeah, yeah it, 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 it's perfect. It's perfect for the pod. And um, looking pretty in purple is Theo Squires. How are you, Theo? <laughs> I'm good, thanks, Joe. Yeah. You, um, We're not quite as clean shaven. No, not quite as clean shaven. You need to clean up your act a bit, don't you? Yeah. yeah good, <laughs> good. Well, as you can probably tell, it's the 24th of June and uh, we're still struggling for things to talk about. <laughs> Liverpool, I still aren't bothering signing anyone. We've still got like two weeks till they, they go back to training. Um, it is it is quiet right now, but we, we do what we can. We're probably going to have a natter today about Fernando Torres and, and Rafa Benitez. Um because a couple of news notes for both of them too. Well, first we'll start off um, with a, a touch of transfer news or non-news, if you like, is um, Liverpool aren't going to sign Junior, Junior Firpo, who, to be perfectly honest, I hadn't heard of until about two days ago. And um, when I asked, to, I had to ask Theo what the hell this random name was doing at the top of the blog. I said so, him in the podcast before that. I, well, I wasn't listening. Um, <laughs> so, Paul, you, um, you've written a story today that Liverpool aren't going to sign... Junior Firpo, he's a left back. Tell us more about him, because if any any of the listeners are like me, they they won't have a clue who he is. Yeah, um, twenty two year old left back from Real Betis, born in Santo Domingo, which, which I, I found quite exotic. Um, playing for the where's Santo Domingo? Um, Central America somewhere. Yeah, okay. yeah. So yeah, um, Liverpool linked with him over the weekend. Uh, Reporter Marca, which is obviously the influential Madrid paper, claiming that Liverpool were going to. Um, Go and buy him at um, 50 million euros, which yeah. is his bio clause, which uh, seems an awful lot for someone who's not going to be coming in his first choice. Um, that that was, I think that was yesterday, was it? That the story's doing around yesterday. Um, we did a little bit of digging and delving this morning, as we do sometimes with these transfer rumours. Find out if there's anything in them, and it turns out um, there, there isn't. Um, <laughs> the Apart from the course this summer, isn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah. So Liverpool probably do need to... to uh, Search the market for the left back, don't you consider? And Alberto Moreno's leaving in what um, next 10 days or so. Um, Andy Robertson's obviously first choice, firmly nailed it down since he, he joined from Hull two years ago. But they, they'll probably need someone because they can't have him playing every game. And I think the, the thought of James Milner reprising that left back role isn't everyone's cup of tea. So I'd imagine they, they will be entering the market for the left back, but it's not going to be Junior Firpo from what we're being told. It's a difficult one, is it? Because it just makes no financial sense, is it? You don't pay yeah. 50 million euros for a player who won't play much at all. You know, look how much Alberto Moreno played last season. Exactly, yeah. It's um, 
it just doesn't make sense, does it? You know, a club like Liverpool, it's, you're talking like 50 million euros would be what? Um, Naby Keita was 52 million pound mm. last summer and he, he's, I think he's third, is he, in Liverpool's all-time um, most expensive transfers. So to sanction that kind of fee for someone who's going to be back up is a bit ludicrous, really. And I'm surprised that so many people seem to have been taken in by the rumour over the weekend mm. because it just didn't seem to make sense at all. Um, so yeah, he, he's someone who Liverpool aren't going to be bringing in this summer and um, as usual our social media has taken a, a beating for, for reporting the uh, the non-news well Connor there is it is probably like the six or seven rumour that we've knocked down already this summer and there are hundreds of thousands of football players on planet earth but as someone asked me before are we going to sign anyone yes <laughs> <laughs> the answer is yes because we're going to have to sign someone you know as course you just said Moreno's going to go. Robertson cannot play every single game. You cannot guarantee he's not going to get injured. They're going to have to sign a left-back. There is no doubt about it. And obviously, there's all the rumours around Mignolet. He might go. You know, he's going to want to play first-team football. And if he goes, they are going to undoubtedly need an experienced goalkeeper to come in when, you know, Alisson might need a break or in case something happens to Alisson. Just someone there that you can be sure is going to be a decent pair of hands. And so, yeah, they're going to guarantee you can. they're going to sign someone. But who that is right now is a mystery. I suppose that's the way Liverpool will want it, Theo, won't they? I mean, last summer... When Fabinho arrived, it all happened very fast. He wasn't a name that had been particularly linked with Liverpool a lot over the, the, the previous season. So Liverpool will be more than happy to have it like this, won't they? Yeah, it's how Liverpool like to get their business done. Um, Roberto Firmino, that was another one that came out of the blue a bit. Yep, um, Alisson, arguably, even though the links have been there for so long, the fact that it then happened after seemingly being off the table, that's another one that they just know when there's the right opportunity to go and get a deal done. And in the past, you think um, they've needed to get these big name players like Ivan Dykes and your Alisons. And obviously, they're going to be linked with most of the big clubs on the planet. Um, and there's going to be all that interest months in advance. Well, Liverpool don't need that type of player this summer. They need someone who's a bit more under the radar just to add a bit more depth to the squad. So it's quite obvious why there isn't as much attention there and why uh, fans are getting into a bit of a tiz about who will be getting linked with, who is going to sign. Well, Gorsi, it looks like Man City are going to make their first forays into the transfer market uh, in the in the next week or so. Uh, Harry Maguire mentioned there's a 16, sorry, £80 million pound signing at about £235,000 a week, as well as Rodri from Atletico Madrid. I've seen a few fans getting a little bit concerned, saying City are already signing players. They're, they're already very, very good. But the way I see it, they've got a couple of big holes in their squad to fill. Vincent Company has now moved into management um, with Anderlecht. And, and then you've got Fernandinho, who spent a lot of time last season on the, on the sidelines. So... Liverpool don't, it might sound strange because Liverpool finished second, but Liverpool don't have those glaring weaknesses to, to correct. No, it? it's true. For, for a team who, who won every trophy available to them in, in, you know, domestically last season, it's weird to say that their squad is in more need of a refresh, but I think that that is true. You've got Fernandinho's 34, I think, um, so you'd, you'd imagine that this might be his final season at the, the top level. Vincent Company's just gone, such an iconic figure around the club. Basically, Manchester City's version of Van Dijk, isn't he? And um, David Silva's, I think he's what, 32, is he? 33. Yeah. Aguero's 31, which, you know, is not not uh, not too old, but he's certainly getting up there. Um, it's not that old, Paul. It's no, not that old no, at all. No, no, you're right. It's, you know, <laughs> as you, you, you call me a young man at the, the top of the yeah, show, yeah. we'll still say that's in the, the young category. But um, yeah, City's squad definitely does need more of a refresh. And I think um, the FIFA Harry Maguire is, is just. Standard, isn't it? I mean, obviously, Liverpool paid 75 million for Van Dyke, but I think 
I don't think there'd be too many people who'd be arguing that Maguire is in the same category as him. Um, Rodri is is quite seen as the the heir to Sergio Busquets' throne in Spain's midfield, but I don't really know much about him. But um, just I mean, yeah, City are, are making the moves, Ali, but you, you can't say that their squad is probably the one that needs a little bit more surgery than Liverpool's this summer. Klopp's perfectly happy with what he's got, and it's just a case of filling in for the the ones who are going to be leaving. Colin Harry Maguire, eighty million. It just shows you what a wonderful deal we've got Van Dijk, doesn't it? Yeah. Like in the long and short of it, really. I mean, yeah, he's obviously a talented player and English players always seem to go for a little bit more money than yeah, everyone else, definitely. but 80 seems extreme. Yeah. Like, you know, you think of how highly rated Van Dijk was when he was coming for 75 and people still had questions over it. There must be huge questions over that much money from Maguire. Dale, what do you think? You're a man who's mastered the Maguire lean, haven't you? <laughs> Just a little bit. The rounds in the office. Um, yeah. He doesn't strike me as a Manchester City player. I, um, I wouldn't be surprised if United were spending that much money on him. But can you really imagine him, say, in a Guardiola team at Barcelona? He's not a ball-playing centre-back. He's more old-fashioned, leaping ahead of um, towering headers, that sort of style. Um, yeah, he's got that partnership with John Stones at international level. But when they've already got uh, Laporte... It's a lot of money to play, pay for someone who's probably not going to be your first choice centre back. No, I, I agree. It was a, I was a bit surprised when I saw that City had seemed to jump the queue for Maguire. Anyway, we move on. Uh, Roberto Firmino, of course, he um, pulled out his party trick the other day, scoring a, a no luck goal for Brazil. Um, I don't know how, how many times are there opportunities to score no luck goals. How can he score so many? I'd, I'd be terrified of trying it in case you didn't I can't come score off. when I luck, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> You're not, you're not the only one. Uh, yeah, he did. I don't know whether um, people listening have seen the goal, but he, <laughs> he closes the keeper down, the keeper boots it at him, it loops over the keeper, comes back off the post, and then he just rounds him in slow motion. And then, to be fair, I love the little the little dummy to drop the goalkeeper down. Yeah. Uh, it's beautiful afterwards. And it? then just sticks it in while he's looking away. Um, great goal. Uh, great to see him shining on the international stage because he hasn't always been... First choice for, for Brazil as he looked back to the World Cup last summer and so many fans were wondering why um, Gabriel Jesus was getting in ahead of him. But yeah, um, four years to the day actually since Liverpool agreed a, a fee with Hoffenheim for him um, and he become a Liverpool player. So um, what a player he's become. He's basically come from being a, a loosely defined number 10 into a certified number 9. Um, doesn't Doesn't get get you 25, 30 goals every season but what he brings to this Liverpool team helping out Salah and Mane either side of him um, he's just indispensable isn't he um, what a player I still remember that that deal when it when it got done Ian Air was stood next yeah. to him uh, I think he flew over to Brazil to, to get it done it, it came as a massive shock didn't it Connor? I mean I suppose I think Klopp said at the time yes. um, he was surprised that Liverpool managed to pull off a deal like that and to be fair so, so was I because there was no links with Firmino. It just seemed to drop out the blue. Yeah, I mean, what do you want me to add to that? Yeah, he absolutely yeah. did. And, you know, as you're saying, Klopp said he was he was surprised and he was a massive, he was really highly rated in the Bundesliga, yeah. wasn't he? And he was looking at this up-and-coming young star in the Bundesliga and, you know, we did an amazing job going to get him for the price we did as well. So, yeah, it was, it was excellent work. Uh, Rodgers initially managed him for a few games. Theo. He didn't really seem to know what to do with him, but... It took a little while, but once Klopp came in, he, he came into his own, didn't he? Yeah, it's one looking back where you think at the time that he wasn't really needed because Liverpool already had Coutinho as that playmaker. Yeah. Maybe they were trying to think, oh, he might force a move there. But uh, Rodgers played him, what was it, left wing, right wing, um, and he sort of 
became the striker only when Klopp came in after a, a bit of a spell out through injury. I think he dislocated his shul- yeah, shoulder yeah. or collar or something like that. Um, and then it was Man City, wasn't it, at the Etihad, where, we, wow, we've got a player yeah, here. Yeah. And it all just clicked. And whilst it was a bit sporadic, the consistency in that first season. With well, a hat-trick against Arsenal, didn't he, in the January, was it? Yeah. January isn't just gone. No, um, well, he did, yeah, but in that in that season, scored, did he score a hat-trick two? Two, two. Yeah, sorry, yeah. The Charlton got the equaliser, yeah. That's it, yeah. Yeah, oh, that yeah. first one, was, was it the second one? The stunning one where yeah. he just bends it top yeah. corner. And you saw those moments and then it all just clicked. Um, he became that main striker for Liverpool. Um, four years ago, he was with Brazil. It was the Copa America. I think he had like four goals in nine games from, again, they didn't know really what to do with him. And now he's got the role and he's not getting the goals, but you can see how important he is becoming for everyone. I smell a piece in that, Theo. I've probably already done it. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, you know what? There, there isn't a great deal of Liverpool news knocking around, so we thought we'd have a little chat today about one Fernando Torres who announced that he was um, hanging up his boots in August uh, after a spell in China. Um, what, what a player. 81 goals in 142 games for Liverpool. Um, signed from Atletico Madrid for £20 million um, and then moved on to Chelsea for £50 million. And... Um, had quite the Liverpool career, Gorsty. Only four seasons at Liverpool, but a lot seemed to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, take me back to your memories of when Liverpool signed Fernando Torres. You would have been, what, 24, something like that? 20, 21? Yeah. Um, it was a long time ago, was it? Yeah. Yeah. I remember when Liverpool signed. Doesn't feel that long ago. No, it doesn't. Does it? When Liverpool signed Torres, I remember being a bit surprised because he was known, wasn't he? He, mm. he was Liverpool tend to kind of build their stars, um, and, and Torres was one that was already an established star when when he came, and, and he was a club record signing. And the excitement levels are through the roof because you're signing a twenty million pound striker, and he's taking the number nine, and you know he's going to be the main man. And more often than not, it doesn't seem to work out the way the way fans hope but this one worked out you know 10 times better than anyone could have imagined he, he hit it off almost instantly with, with his teammates with Xabi Alonso and Steven Gerrard and um, ended up with 33 I think in, in his, his first season um, the most goals ever scored by a foreign player in, in his first season just pipped to the, the players player of the year award by Cristiano Ronaldo I think um, which yeah just what, what an incredible season that was and then the, the second season was uh, disrupted a little bit by injury, but I think he still managed around about 16 and 17, something like that. Um, struck up an awesome partnership with Steven Gerrard that became one of the most feared in Europe, didn't it? Those two dovetailing together it was just, you know, an incredible, incredible time to be a, a Liverpool fan and, and you know, w- watch this team. Uh, scored so many incredible goals, so many goals, and then it all kind of went a little bit of ride, didn't it? When um, obviously the off the field issues with Tom Hicks and George Gillette and I could see why you know looking back on it now when he left Chelsea in January 2011 you could see why he wanted to do that Liverpool would would ruddle us when they had nowhere um, and he probably thought that he could um, go and get a few more titles at Chelsea ultimately he did but he, he was never ever the player he was in that um, first few years at Liverpool um, and I think he, he, he might slightly regret that move now but at the time just a, an absolute you know Awesome number nine for Liverpool. I just wanted your feelings on what how you felt when they, they signed him, and you just summed up his whole career <laughs> in about two minutes. And now there's no point the rest of us talking about them, is there? You've ruined well, that, haven't you? Can't have his own memories, yeah, as well, Theo. Well, I won't come back to you then, but 
Connor, I mean, what were you? You must have been three or four when they signed him. <laughs> I think I was 12. 12. <laughs> nasty, nasty man. But yeah, um, what a player. And it must have been, for a 12-year-old Connor Dunn, that must have been a... I absolutely idolise Torres. I used to want to be Torres. I used to dress up as Torres. I used to have an Alice band in my hair. I, honestly, he's like my num- favourite. Name number on the back. Of course I did. Yeah. I think you that, him, that, look. that great yeah. shirt, you know, when he absolutely left Fiddish on the floor. Oh, the that, great that was my favourite shirt. My, one of my favourite Torres moments. Just literally, what a player. And the memories. And like, he made me so excited to be a Liverpool fan. So excited to watch Liverpool. Him and Gerald linking up, as course, he said, was just magic. And it, yeah, it was just incredible to watch him. The volley against Blackburn was it as well yeah. Yeah. absolutely ridiculous oh, just probably. I just used to love him like so much even last year on a stag do I dressed up as him <laughs> <laughs> well you didn't know that yeah he was there was something magical about Torres every now and again you seem to get a player that just sparks a bit of excitement don't, don't you around Liverpool I mean Salah possibly you, you could file in that category Theo but but Torres I mean you remember the, the Nike advert the way that the, the song you'd be singing the song in the shower, but it was always in your head when you when you were watching Liverpool at that time. Um, he was just he was just match made in heaven, heaven for Liverpool, wasn't he? Yeah, well, with the song, um, my kid brother's ten years younger than me, so he'd have yeah. been about six. Yeah. Uh, doesn't like football at all. Within six months, he knew it word for word. Yeah, <laughs> so that was probably my influence yeah, on him yeah. there. But yeah, it was. I think it was the first time in the Premier League Liverpool had gone out and signed that A list player. Yeah. Um, might be wrong here, but I'm pretty sure Manchester United were linked with him quite yeah, a bit. Were. Every summer they were linked yeah. with him, yeah. Um, and I, my first memory of him is before he came to Liverpool, he scored at the World Cup, didn't he? Germany yeah. in 2006. Yeah. And back then, you think Liverpool had what Morientes, Cissé, Crouch, they'd got Fowler back. Can you imagine two years after that, they'd have Fernando Torres? Yeah. It just shows how quickly things were turning around under Benitez. And you think back to that 07 08 transfer window, that's probably. Benitez's most successful one when you yeah. think the whole collection there even the players that came in that weren't the best like Voronin they still had an impact in that season I'm thinking more Ben Ayun Barbo had his moments as well yeah. um, so when he had so many players coming in it was that initial rotation as Rafa did and we had those moments straight away Torres against Chelsea I think they all did pretty well against Derby and then he got his hat-trick against Reading in the League Cup yeah. and you couldn't drop him after that he was yeah. just sensational scoring amazing goals um, one that stands out is Marseille away in the Champions League, oh, what a goal dropping the shoulder, yeah. just walking his way through. And I think was that a four-one victory, and Liverpool yeah. had to win to stay to progress yeah. in the competition. Yeah. They won all three of the. They, I think did they lose all three of the first yeah. game, and then they won three on the bounce, and he basically scored in every one, didn't he? Pretty much, yeah. and then um, going on in the competition, I think we'll remember the the world against Arsenal. Yeah. Oh. Oh, Inter Milan as well yeah. San Siro this is just in his first season yeah. in Europe those are the games as fans you remember like um, it's just a shame that he couldn't carry on that form for the rest of his time at Liverpool but there were enough memories in that first season and then the second season as Connor said dropping Vidic all those moments going so close to winning the title he, he was a world class player uh, perfect fit for Liverpool we just clicked instantly with Gerrard uh, Benitez knew how to get the best out of them, which is probably why Benitez ended up at Chelsea later on. And it's probably injuries wanting to get back for the World Cup that was the start of his undoing. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. What was the moment, Paul, that you really realised, um, and please just keep this concise, um, <laughs> you, you realised that he was the world-class player that Liverpool fans had craved for so long? It was probably the, the Reading game, actually, which yeah. you wouldn't necessarily think it was like a Tuesday night in the League Cup in like the second round or something. And he, he tried to boot him off the pitch from the very first minute. And maybe you'd be thinking, new striker in a new country for, might not necessarily be up for this. And, and he was, he was more than up for it. And he scored a hat trick and 
basically showed his quality. Um, so probably early on, as as um, recently as I think that was in the September. So almost immediately, really. Yeah, Connor. It's gonna sound mental, but you can't forget his debut goal. Like yeah. The turn of pace, taking it in his stride, just rifling in the corner. I was like, wow, like it's a serious player because you know obviously players turn up and they have their moments, but like to do it immediately, just put in my head. I was like, I cannot wait to see more. I want to watch him again and again. It's so exciting. Yeah, Theo. I'll probably go along with the Chelsea yeah. goal as well. It was just something completely different. You don't see that on debuts. No. Like even um, Luis Suarez, when he was thrown in, it was off the bench and it was a bit of a scabby goal. To score a goal of that quality against Chelsea, who were were they champions at the time? Mm-hmm. If not, they'd have been like mm-hmm. top team in the country. Um, might have been Talbot Naimi left for dead. Not yeah. the yeah, best centre-back yeah. they've had, but John Terry's there as well. Yeah. Uh, Petr Cech in goal. Yeah. It's just class from the off. I'm sure I remember him like smashing into Terry in that game or Terry tried to smash into him and he stood up to him because there was a Torres had a bit of a nasty side to him didn't he Paul he wasn't he, he may have he may have looked like you know this Alice band in his hair and all that like kind of done but <laughs> he, he had a, he had a nasty side to him and he could stand up to it couldn't he and that's probably why he suited Liverpool in the Premier League exactly so. yeah I think I think that's that's what Redden actually tried with the game that I was talking about I think the, did you see him, you know, angelic face with the blonde hair and Alice band, white boots and tape and think, this guy's not going to fancy it if I, if I give him a boot early on. And he loved it, didn't he? He relished it. He yeah. was just just built for English football, um, which is something you don't, you don't always get with, with quality strikers from across Europe. And um, what, what a player he had a lot, didn't he? Um, he's got so many great goals. Liverpool actually made him better than they could Because, I mean, if you, if, if you look back at his record at Atletico, he was never... I think he had one season where he was very prolific, but in general, he was never most, the most prolific of goal scorers. He, he got into double figures, but never really hit the 20 mark. But at Liverpool, he was doing that consistently. Yeah, like taking his three best yeah. seasons into account, his goals to the game ratio is absolutely yeah. ridiculous. Like, yeah. And, you know, when he's linking up with Alonso first and then Gerald as well, you've got really quality ball players, a really quality striker, mm-hmm. and the balls are always so accurate and they know where each other's going to be. And they just had, yeah, to be honest, he's just really suited Liverpool. And it's funny with Goyce, you know, he had that, like streak about him but so did Suarez and your classic striker you think they are the best strikers Liverpool have had like in the modern era of the game and they had a little bit of that mean streak and they had that top quality and he just had a bit of everything didn't he mm-hmm. regrets from Torres this time at Anfield obviously no trophy Theo but I mean the way he departed didn't help but what would you say his biggest regret would be um probably the way he left because even though he went to win trophies yeah. he was never the same player um, and you can probably put that down to the injuries like the pace was gone that was part of the reason why Liverpool were happy to let him go because they'd already seen enough that he wasn't going to be the same player again but then there was always the talk from the Liverpool camp that they got the best out of him because they knew how to play to him um, he wasn't the most sociable he wanted to spend no. time with his family so they let him alo- left him alone and that didn't quite suit Chelsea and there was also talk of him not being the most technical so his, his footwork wasn't yeah. the best, but if you put the ball in front of him, he's going to get onto it. Um, with the drop of the shoulder, he can get his way through three players. So it's probably for him not taking it all into consideration because Dalglish had just come back. Liverpool, while they weren't going to be challenging for titles, he was the main man again. He was finding a bit of form and then yeah, end of the window, demands his move, walks out. And when you have a fan base that loved him so much, like it's crazy thinking how you don't hear the Torres bounce at all anymore when you think Liverpool fans still sing about Luis Garcia yeah. when that was such a popular song. And I think we've only heard it what at that charity game when he came mm. back and played since. That's quite a shame, really. It was a bit of a watershed moment for him, that charity game. It felt like the way perhaps Michael Owen has never been forgiven by Liverpool fans, it felt like fans had relented and, and almost 
forgiven Torres for that Chelsea move, Paul. Have you forgiven him? And do you think fans should should forgive him? Yeah, I've, I've, I'd say I've, I've forgiven him to an extent, but I don't look back on him with in the same way I would with Suarez. Uh, maybe because it was a few years earlier. I'm not sure, but um, I wouldn't. I, would, I don't. Wouldn't say I look at him and think, "Oh, he, he threw it all away by going to Chelsea." I do remember what he did for Liverpool Football Club, and, and it should be remembered for you know so many goals and so many of them great goals that we just spent five minutes reminiscing about them. But I don't look back on him thinking. Um, you know, tinge with regret or anything because um, Liverpool were, were a bit rudderless, as I say. But um, the, the the team, I think, um, left a sour taste more than anything. The fact that he went to Chelsea, who were so disliked, plenty by Liverpool supporters around that time, and, yeah. and let's face it, probably still are. Um, so I, I don't think I don't look back on it with with I don't look back on his career at Liverpool with too much. Um, I wouldn't say fondness. I, I, I just it's just sort of like another player who's left, maybe. Yeah, which might sound a bit harsh. Conor, what are your feelings about his exit? I mean, Liverpool did get a very get a lot of money for him. I know they wasted it in part on Carroll, but fifty million at the time for a player who yeah had I, seen his best years, hadn't he? Mm, Let's face well, it. we we saw that when he went to Chelsea, he wasn't the same player yeah. as Liverpool he had. Was he scored forty five and hundred? He actually played more games for Chelsea, which I don't think really, yeah. anyone would would. He scored 45 and 172 for Chelsea. But he was like cup striker, so he had one season where he's good. I think when they won the Europa League, yeah. scored over 20, but most of them came in the cups. Yeah, yeah it hurt just kind of because, as Fio mentioned, you had a fan base who absolutely idolised him. And I don't think he maybe realised quite as much as he should have how good he had it at Liverpool. Yeah. You know, the freedom they afforded him, the way they played around him, the way they set the team up for him. And, you know, it hurt, but. I think, yeah, as Corsi said, you've got to look back on it and think of it like, thank you for the memories, really. And it's another one of those. So that's naive, money. Sorry, naivety from him as well, because you think he, he's come from Atletico, he's an Atletico Madrid fan, and that fan base, there's similarities there. Mm. So the two clubs he's been at, he's had that connection with the fans. So he probably goes around thinking, I'm the leading striker here. Every fan base is going to click with him yeah. that way. And we all know Chelsea, the <laughs> reputation there, it's very different to Liverpool fans. So that probably backfired against him as well. Yeah, Connor, you loved him. He always struck me as a player who needed to be loved and perhaps he didn't, well, he, he's, there's no perhaps about it. He didn't get that at Chelsea. He didn't get loved. He didn't, he, he wasn't, it wasn't all about him. It, he was just another in a long line of players who joined them. Yeah, you're exactly right. And I think that's exactly what, not his downfall, because that would be so harsh to say, mm -hmm. but exactly why he didn't hit the dizzy heights that he perhaps did, you know, in the seasons we've just mentioned. And yeah, he just seemed like that sort of player, like a little arm around the shoulder and like, you're doing really well here. You're the main guy here. Like everyone loves you and seems to get the best out of him. But yeah, as you say, he's, it hurt him going, but. It is what it is. You don't like that you're over it, Connor. <laughs> uh, Still dressing up as him yeah. now, Joe. Yeah. You would have been 18, wouldn't you, when he left, by the time he left? Yeah, I think, or yeah. 16 or 18. 17 or 18. Yeah. I, th I think what it represented was a, the, the transfer that made um, Liverpool fans of a certain age feel that um, these are just players just, just passing through. It's yeah. just a job to most of these. Um, you can support them through thick and thin. Um from the bottom of the battle to, to the top of the game and, and they're your team but for players passing through it is just a job so if they get a better alternative down the line then they might be off and I think that was the, the watershed moment yeah it was I think it was it hurt because Alonso had left the season before albeit in slightly different circumstances after a mm. bit of a fallout with the manager and, and then Mascherano forced his way out and now, now Torres it felt like you know, it felt like Liverpool were slipping away didn't it and, and I think Torres' exit kind of confirmed that. 
Yeah, they'd gone from challenging for the title to losing Benitez, such a popular manager, losing to the three most popular players. Roy Hodgson in charge, ownership just getting worse and worse. Um, Liverpool spending time in that first half of the season in the relegation zone. Yeah. Uh, it was only when um, John W. Henry and the whole FSG corporation bought the club that looking back, you can say that was the start. Yeah. But even then, they lost to like Blackpool and Torres' final weeks yeah, at the club. Yeah. Uh, it's just crazy how it all quickly it all fell apart. Um, yes, mad looking back. Yeah, well, let's just finish this little Torres segment with your favourite goal. Pick one, Gorsi. Um, I was going to go with Connor's Blackburn chapter. I feel he might go for that. So there was one against Sunderland where he gets it out wide left. Yeah, the end of the season. First game, well, first game of the season, that one? No, you're thinking of the home one, aren't you? Yeah, the one in Anfield oh, where yeah, he, sorry, yeah, he, um, yeah. he, he gets it wide left and he looks like he's about to shape for a cross and then he just bends it into the far corner. It's just a um, piece of genius. Well, Blackburn is a really obvious shout and it's an amazing goal, but I think my favourite was Chelsea in the Champions League when Crouchy knocks it down and he puts it in the top corner. The 5 free aggregate um, game. You, th- you think in Arsenal? I'm thinking Arsenal. 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 Yeah, 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 Arsenal. Yeah, Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, I'm going to go for the Newcastle one. Oh, that's what I was going for. Oh, I was going to go for the Sunderland one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> go on, just say it. We're saying with the style there, um, you think at Chelsea... Uh, they used to having Drogba up front so yeah. it was all ball to chest that didn't suit yeah. Torres what suited Torres was getting the ball in front of him letting him run on and that goal was just perfect the, wasn't the it knees. the knees he went around was it Steve the, Harper the, the, not the knees the knees the, knees. the, knees. the, knees, and the knees the way he just flicked his knees to one side and the goalkeeper dropped and the through ball was perfect from Gerrard yeah, as well yeah, it was, yeah. if you can think of that partnership that is the goal you think of to be fair my actual favourite is that Arsenal one because um, that was just a, such a crazy game and, and I, I just remember it was like the one moment of calm in, in what was just this ridiculous game and, and Torres hitting that top corner was just, there was no stopping him. Um, but another one was that Sunderland first day of the season when it was a bit of a dire game and in that grey kiss, he just rifled one low into the bottom yeah, corner. Yeah, because they just signed Robbie Keane, hadn't they? So it's supposed to be yeah. all excitement and strike partnership yeah. and it just didn't click. It didn't click. All right, well, from, from Torres to um, another famous Spaniard, Rafa Benitez, some news broke today. Um, that he will leave Newcastle um, after his contract expires. Gossi, I mean, this isn't a Newcastle podcast, but he is one of the most beloved figures mm. in Liverpool's history. Every time you think Newcastle can't be more stupid, they can be more <laughs> stupid, can't they? I mean, how are they losing? I, I mean, our editor, Ali McRae, he's a Newcastle fan. I broke the news to him before when I was going Crestfallen. to a meeting. And, uh, yeah, he, he looked completely crestfallen. I don't blame him. If you're a Newcastle fan, you must be absolutely devastated. It's strange, isn't it? A month ago, they would talk about them getting bought out for, you know, a brand new era and Benitez would finally be getting the transfer funds that he's craved from day one and now he's he's leaving. Um, if, if you're a Newcastle fan, you're absolutely devastated, aren't you? He was the, the biggest star at the club, undoubtedly, at a team that is punching above its weight consistently under his management and now you're really fearful over where this group of players is going to go because... It's not an attractive proposition, is it, to, to top-class managers? There's no money there. Um, there probably should be, but it seems to be withheld. Uncertainty over the ownership. So it's uh, it's going to be difficult for Newcastle. But for Benitez, it's, um, <laughs> he seems to do this a lot, doesn't he? He falls out with the ownership. He moans a lot about the lack of funds available to him and leaves with his head held high, his reputation intact, and the, and the fans still love him. seems to, to do that wherever he goes, and he's done it again here. Um where next for him? Who knows? It's uh, it's an interesting one, but Newcastle undoubtedly losing a top-class manager who, who is a much higher profile than, than the club itself. 
you say that about Rafa, but Connor, I, I always felt like he was underappreciated. I felt like when he was at Liverpool, he was constantly, every decision he made, every signing he made was under scrutiny. He was he was always questioned whether it be about zonal marking, rotation. Um, the, the bad signings always used to seem to get picked out. And it felt like at Newcastle, he was finally, by the wider public, starting to be appreciated. Um, but then they've allowed him to leave and, and, and not sort of bent to his demands. What is it about Rafa that you feel that maybe there is this feeling of underappreciation about him? Yeah, I don't know if it at Liverpool was indicative of the club at the time and the way things are going. We're talking about the players leaving and the sort of way they were forcing through moves and just what seemed to be happening with the ownership or what happened with the ownership. It wasn't a great situation. You know, obviously that often falls on the manager, doesn't it? They're the front of the thing. They're facing the media every week without fail. They are talking, they are talking to fans. They are, you know, in the face of it really. And, you know, some of the decisions, some of the questions that were asked of him probably were a reflection of what was going on elsewhere. And I think that's just the case what it was. But we know firsthand how good of a manager he was and how special he was and, and what he brought and the, the memories and the joy he brought us and, you know, just how good he was as a manager. And as course, he said, I think Newcastle fans, you know, will have seen that as well. And they know themselves that their team shouldn't have been fighting in, in the way that they were and playing at the level they were. You know, they beat City this season and, you know, some of it has got to be down to Rafa and his tactics and his management. And, you know, they're losing an incredible manager who we all love, obviously. And I think, I don't know if it's the underappreciation of the fans or the managers. I, 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 don't, I don't know what it is. It's, it's, it's a strange one because you know how good of a manager he is and you know he's like a top class manager. It's, it's really difficult. Theo, you're a child of the revolution, aren't you? What, how do you feel about him? And yeah, what what do you think about Newcastle's inability to keep him? Um, I think it's a long time coming, really, just because it's Mike Ashley. He's a buffoon. He was always going <laughs> to blow up in his face. Um, and then it's just happened that it's when they've been on the verge of a takeover yeah. and it's not happened. But you're hearing now there's um, talk of Rafa going to China. So it's quite telling, I think. That I don't think he'd want to go to China. I don't though. think he'd, he would. Only because... One of the big reasons he took the Newcastle job was to stay in England, whereas his family are still living on Merseyside and on the Wirral. And, you know, he, he likes it here, doesn't he? And I don't think he's a guy, who, he doesn't strike me as a type of manager who just takes jobs for money. He, he takes jobs for perhaps for his family or, or, or for football reasons. But I'd agree with that. I think it's sort of getting to the same situation with Mourinho now. You're looking at when he left United, where does he go next? Yeah, true. Because you've been, he's been to so many clubs, you are almost running out of options. Um, like, he, can you see him going back to a Real Madrid or an Inter Milan? No, you can't. That's why he's had to drop down to Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, with the right ownership, he probably could have made them top 10 club. But even then, he was getting mid-table with them now. And it's weird when you look at their squad, they are not top 10 players. Like they had yeah. Zisco up front for some of that, I think. Yeah, was yeah. That earlier on. No, it was Yossily, wasn't it? The, so- yeah, um, the yeah, Stoke yeah, City yeah. one. And it's just crazy how he can turn Rondon into this amazing striker. And... Yeah, teams, there isn't that appreciation there. But where can you see him go next? Maybe back to Valencia? Yeah. Something like that where he's got the connections with fans already. Yeah, perhaps back to Spain. All right, well, we'll leave Rafa there. Um, From one big departure to another, we're going to have to address it, aren't we? Um, James Pearce finally announced his news um, to the wider public last week. Gorsty, I mean, we're all devastated. How do you even sum it up? I, oh, you can't, can you? The, the legend that is James Pearce himself leaving. Um, what's he got? Two weeks left, is he? A week left. Well, he's got a week of that on holiday. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah, and it, it kind of just shows you 
what a what a, a big name he is. And on, on Friday, I, I was down at Anfield and I was chatting to the pool CEO Peter Moore, and even he was asking me. He was saying, "Where's James Pearce going? James Pearce is leaving us." And you know, for, for that, it just shows you what a massive profile he is. And it's been an absolute pleasure to work alongside him. Um, yeah, I um, don't know what you can say. He's just a, a great fella and great journalist, and he'll be sadly missed. Connor, dry those tears. The 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 fourteen year old Connor Dunn who, who watched <laughs> Torres walk out of Liverpool for Chelsea and was heartbroken. You must be experienced that all over again now, James. Is yeah, taking me under his wing. You know, I've had less than a year. Yeah, on you must have had to duck right down to get under there. <laughs> Learned a lot about sports journalism from him. Yeah, he's, he's a good guy. He's a great it's guy. Going to be a big miss. Yeah. Yeah, I'd go along with all that. I'm sure like, quite a few of our sport desk, you just think James Pearce, Liverpool Echo. Yeah. It's going to be such a big loss. Like Think of all the moments he's seen in the time, all the transfers he's broken. It's somewhat synonymous with this spell with the club. Like, yeah. I can remember going to games and you've got like um, John Arnorisa interrupting during a match yeah, yeah. to yeah. catch up with him and stuff like that. Yeah. He's such a popular figure with the, um, everyone, really. <laughs> one, one, one story about James is um, he went to interview Antonio Nunes um, earlier this season and, and I was meeting him I think it was the Fulham game Fulham at home and um, we were going up to Anfield so I met him in the morning and a Liverpool fan came up to him and Nunes and asked Nunes could he take a picture of him and James which <laughs> <laughs> is just unbelievable when you think this is a cha- Champions League winner my yeah. first real one was like the first Echo Night Out and you've got people coming up and asking for pictures with him yeah. and he's yeah. there like dozing off as he does on his yeah, nights out yeah. you can't talk about James on a night out without telling him about being asleep we're in a karaoke bar called Woody's which is a little haunt in Liverpool it's not the most amazing bar but you get absolutely smashed in there anyway James is falling asleep to horrendous karaoke and then two girls are fighting getting kicked out walking up the stairs he wakes up gives them a massive send off and then gets kicked out by the bouncers <laughs> to sum up James Pierce, yeah. everybody he does he does like a little <laughs> sleep on a night out but um yeah, but a really good guy. He's always looked after me when I, since I joined there five years ago and, and just an absolutely outstanding journalist and a, and a really top bloke. And we'll, and we'll miss him. And hopefully he'll, he'll do a couple of blood reds before um, before he moves on. Hopefully he comes back and does a couple more. But um, yeah, James, we'll miss you. So we'll leave it there for today. Uh, sad podcast. I felt like a yeah. real The, the people end. we will miss. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Benitez, Pierce, yeah, all the yeah. big names. Yeah, well, there you go. So we'll leave it there. And hopefully on Friday, you never know, things might have moved on a bit and there might be some actual news to talk about. But until then, ta You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.